The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends. Thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we are going to cover a very busy week for Austin FC on and off the pitch, and we'll answer some listener questions. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Atlanta, we don't usually read notes from people from Twitter or listeners on this show because, one, they're not always super kind. Um, and I think we not like <laughs> we don't like to be too self-congratulatory about them, but... Uh, We've got one this week. It's probably worth covering. Yeah, I think so. This one uh, comes from uh, someone named Richard. I'll just, I'll just read the note from him. He says, Hello, I wanted to tell you that I love the podcast. My name is Richard. I'm a former football journalist and copywriter here in the UK. In advance of Apple making coverage of MLS available, I've been getting more interested in the league and have absolutely fallen in love with Austin FC, partly through the measured enthusiasm and intelligence of your podcast. Thanks for what you do. It's giving... It's giving me an amazing insight into football culture as it's experienced stateside, and it's an absolute joy to listen to. How nice is that? I mean, it's incredible. It's it's such a good note, um, and it. I mean, other than just like the compliments to us, I mean, I think it speaks a little bit to what the league hope was the potential of this Apple deal. That a guy from England who didn't care about the league now has a club in the United States that he's somewhat interested in and somewhat because apparently he enjoys our show. Yeah. So at least anecdotally, they are helping make the game more global, I guess. (laughs) Well, anyway, Richard, we're glad that we can uh, send a little bit of U S soccer culture and a little bit of Austin over your way. And and thanks so much for listening and, and the kind note. Yeah. I love it. Hey, Oh, also, so did you read speaking of soccer culture in England? Have you followed the Twitter banter about a certain, very popular television show about an English soccer club and how it relates to MLS. Uh, only passingly. I've like intentionally not dove into it too much. I have my my Twitter feed fairly curated to where I don't see very many idiots on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you missed out much of it. I guess my real question is, have, like, have you watched Welcome to Wrexham? Yes. I have not. I don't have whatever service it's on. Oh yeah, um, I think we talked about this on the show once. I I, I recommend it. It's good. Um, so is it, is the gist of it? What I've gathered is that there are certain people who are, um, uh, like a little bit salty. That like that's why people are paying attention to soccer, or is it is there more to it than that? There's there's two sides of this. There are people who think that there's the obviously the promotion relegation people who think that the only drama about Wrexham is whether they stay up or not, and that people in America will never care about soccer and MLS because we don't have such a thing. Um, And then there's the whole, like if MLS did a better job of telling stories like this, maybe people would care more. It's sort of the other side of the argument. Yeah. I mean, I think both of those things can be true. Uh, Is promotion relegation the only way to make soccer interesting? No, it's not. Uh, could MLS do a better job of storytelling? Yes, they could. And so like, yeah, I, I, you can make it engaging stories without it being about uh, the financial ruin of communities and soccer clubs. <laughs> right, which I, th- I think that goes back to what I was thinking about. The reason I was thinking of this tie is because of this Apple story, right? And the hope is that Apple will help MLS and MLS will help Apple do a better job of telling compelling stories about the league. 
and the MLS will have a support in a way that they didn't with other broadcast partners because there's like so deeply in bed with each other in terms of making sure that this next 10 years works together. Yeah. And so one thing that I did see is people, um, people a little bit upset with ESPN because there's some tweet that they're like, they're, we're pulling out all the stops for Wrexham's game this weekend. And I saw people saying like, why didn't you pull out all the stops for MLS? Which a fair criticism of ESPN, but also I think it goes to prove this, this storytelling narrative is that Wrexham created their own, uh, their own narrative, their own interesting story and created interest outside of ESPN and then forced ESPN to pay attention to them. And they are paying attention to them, which is, I think this goes back to like that storytelling aspect of it. It's if MLS can create interesting stories and, interesting narratives and put more content out about these teams. If one of those things does catch the public's imagination, ESPN will pay attention to it. And so, uh, I, yeah, I, I think there's valid criticism both ways, but I think it, it is kind of proving everyone's point to a degree. Everybody's right. And everybody's wrong. And yeah. thus the <laughs> summary of every single argument that anybody's ever had online. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into the Austin FC news. So uh, this last, I think it was Tuesday, there was some media availability regarding the Austin FC two team. And this was around the announcement of uh, Anthony Deanda as the club's first academy player signed to the Austin FC two team. And there's also, um, we got the chance to talk to Brett Utley, the, the head coach. So I, I actually was able to work my work schedule around and, and go to this, which was uh, excellent because we have not doing this as our full-time jobs. It's sometimes hard to get to these in-person availabilities. So I was really happy to, to get to be there in person. Yeah. I think comparing last week's availability to, I saw Phil West at the availability today when it was like 36 degrees or whatever. I think you probably had the better, the better of the two options in terms of climate uh, for, for the media availabilities. Yeah, it was raining during ours. And so we were supposed to be able to go out and watch um, watch a little bit of training with the... It was advertised as Austin FC 2 training, which we are like, they only have five players. How are they training? Uh, I So it was raining, so we didn't actually get to go watch training. And they just brought the coach and the player to us in the training facility. Um, so we couldn't see the field from there. But I did go park kind of near the uh, Parmer field where they're, they're practicing on that pitch, I guess, due to all the water on the field. But um, I could look over there and recognize a few of the U17 players. So I think it was just kind of like a combined U17 and whatever ATX2 guys are in town and available and just kind of having a, compl- a combined workout. So what else would you had a chance to ask questions? Like what, what would you ask folks about? Yeah. I mean, we got, to, like I said, we got to talk to Anthony and uh, Brett Utley. Uh, Anthony um, Archbell was there and asked about the name change. So he had been announced as Anthony Gonzalez his whole time with Austin FC. And then in this announcement was announced as Anthony Deanda. And I noticed that his his social handles all say Deanda on them. And so he he answered that question and just said that it is that is his father's last name, Deanda is. Um, and he had had his gone his whole life not having his father's last name. It's a thing that he said he always wanted to do and was finally able to kind of get it official 
to, to some degree. I'm not sure if he got it legally changed or, or just decided to, to change it to going by it. But that was, that was the story about that. Uh, I also got a chance to ask him about like what the last year has been because he is one of these guys who aged out of the academy technically and wasn't allowed to play in all of the academy's games. There's like a few specific ones that he was allowed to play in. And I was asking if that was hard for him not having a team. And and he said that it sounded like he had stayed busy because he'd been training with the first team. Some, uh, they played in this US UPSL league, which we'll get into more here in a second, but um, he kind of said that it wasn't so hard. It was kind of the transition into uh, training with with professional players. He said that was a little bit difficult and something he had to get used to. But as far as just the waiting, he said there was enough going on and and opportunities to learn and grow all, all along the way, which um, it, it, I think that made me think that this was just kind of a planned thing. Like they always had in mind, like Anthony is going to get a shot at this team if he sticks around and, and works and and turns into the player we think he's going to be, he's going to be a part of this team. There's another interesting name that uh, that you saw out there. It's Charlie Asensio was he, yeah. there. Yeah, so Charlie Asensio, who is uh, on a first-team contract, was in the training center while we were there. And so, I'm yeah, I'm not sure what that means. You could read it as maybe he's injured or isn't quite fit and they didn't want to risk it to travel with him. Maybe. Uh, maybe he's definitely going to be an ATX two player and that's why he's there training with the guys who are going to be his teammates. Um, or maybe they're going to send him out on loan. Like, I think you could say any of those things. If, if I were to bet, I would say it's going to be more one of those latter two, like he's going to be playing with Austin too, or he's going to maybe going to go out on loan. But, uh, it was interesting to see him there instead of in Florida with the first team. Uh, I also was able to confirm that uh, Bobosi Biarwanga and Chek Torre, two players who had been announced for Austin FC2, but we had not seen any photos of on social media. They hadn't posted on their own social media about being in Austin. I was able to confirm that they are in Austin and and training with Austin FC2 at the moment. So that's good to hear. What else we got? Oh, we got to talk to Brett Utley as well. I think I learned that I really like Brett Utley. I don't know if he's a good coach or not because I've never seen his teams play, never seen him in action, but I've gotten to talk to him a couple of times now and he's just like a really kind and humble and thoughtful person. And both both press availabilities that the club has had for him, he's walked around and, and shook hands with every member of the media and introduced him and said hello. And so uh, he just seems like a good dude. And so I... I don't know if he's going to be good, but I hope he's good just because I like him. Well, he probably hasn't had people like criticize him on Twitter for the color of polo shirt he was wearing during the game yeah. yet. So he's still like full, <laughs> full of young and full of energy and hasn't been uh, scorned. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I learned while I was there was uh, Arch Bell, who a lot of you listeners will know, writing for, I think he writes for Marca and writes for CONCACAF and um, fills in at the striker every once in a while. He was there actually for the striker. I was going to and, and wrote a story about it for them. But he told me that the day before he had commentated on a game. He got hired to commentate a, a game on TV for the UPSL playoffs in which the Austin FC U17s were competing. And I was like, what? <laughs> this like... I was like, I don't, I know you, you know that I pay a lot of attention to this art <laughs> right. and this is the first I've heard about this. 
Uh, and so, yeah, he's like, yeah, they've been playing UPSL. And I, this is what Anthony was talking about was they had some of these guys playing with the U-17s in the fall in this UPSL league and they made the playoffs, but the club did not say anything about that, did not advertise it, did not post it anywhere. And so, yeah, they, they are playing in this knockout stage game in Austin at St. David's and not posted anywhere. Uh, I went back and watched the rebroadcast though. You can hear Kit McConico and Arch Bell call the game <laughs> wow. on Vire TV, V Y R E, I think it was, but uh, I, I went back and watched that game. Did you, you didn't see any of it, did you? I didn't see that game. I mostly know Arch Bell is the guy that provided me lots of cover during the media game uh, back in November, thankfully. <laughs> I believe he was the... I think he won the trophy for defender of the game, but no, I, I, I did not watch it. Uh, I So it was advertised as the Austin FC U-17s. I turned it on. There were... So we, we've said this on the show before, like this team is divided at the moment in... in people born in 06 and 07. Uh, there were only two 06s on the field in the first half, and then some guys subbed on at half and then later on in the game. I think at most there were maybe four 06s on the field at, at a given time. And so that says to me either this team has like some injuries. This is what I was thinking at the time anyway. This team maybe has some injuries um, and didn't want to overextend some of their guys or that they weren't too worried about this game and just acted as far as like personnel decisions go. It didn't seem like they were prioritizing this game and weren't too worried about winning it really because they played all of their younger guys, including goalkeeper. They played their two 2006 goalkeepers on this roster. They played the 07. There are guys that I've seen start countless times for this team that were sitting on the bench. And two names that didn't even touch the field are Irvin Torres and Drake Fournier. So Drake is usually the captain of the team, center back. Irvin Torres is the one who's been getting called into Mexico and U.S. national team camps, did not touch the field. And so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was about. If they have, I know they, they're starting their next pro, or sorry, MLS next season's uh, maybe they played some games last week, but they do have games this weekend. Uh, but as far as Irvin and Drake, it made me think maybe these guys are training with the next pro team and that's kind of going to be their trajectory. So there are guys who can move back and forth and play with the Academy, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's some guys who just get contracts right out of the gate and are, and are playing on that team full time. You mean, even though they're like at the age where they could be academy players. Right. It, it makes more sense because of their skills to, for them to play in MLS Next Pro instead of playing for the academy club. I'm not saying that that's definitely the case, but it could be because um, Irvin, like, there there has been a handful of, of academy players training with the first team on and off over the last year. And I know Irvin and Drake are two of those guys. And so maybe uh, Josh Wolf. Sean Rubio, Brett Utley are looking at these guys and saying, these kids are ready to play at this next level. And again, I don't know that this is the case, but that might have been why they didn't play in that game and weren't available in that game is because they were, uh, they have other plans, but it also could be that, I don't know, they had muscle tweaks or something. (laughs) It could be anything. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's, you know what, this is the beauty of preseason. Uh, every year we get to do this. Like you get to read way too much in every single thing that's going on because we don't have like a a ready set of games. 
to to talk about at ref, either reflect on or preview. Um, speaking of, I was able to uh, film the interviews with Anthony DeAnda and Brett Utley, and posted those to our new YouTube channel. So. You can find those on the Moon Tower Soccer YouTube channel. They're currently the only videos on the Moon Tower Soccer YouTube channel, but we plan on posting some more stuff there in the future. Um, I know I was talking to some folks online who were a little, maybe a little bit nervous about this, saying like, "I'm not a big YouTube guy. Like, I, please don't make me switch over to YouTube." And this is this is going to be value add stuff. This is not some type of transition. We're always going to be on the audio platform. So don't worry, we're not going anywhere. It's just going to be kind of like extra stuff that we're going to be putting up there every once in a while. Yeah, that's perfect. I don't want to have to like wear pants every time you know, for, <laughs> to be on YouTube either. So I'm good with this plan too. But yeah, check it out. Uh, we're looking to add more stuff. And I guess if you if there's something you would prefer, you would like to see on the YouTube channel, absolutely let us know because it's sort of an op- a blank slate at this point. Uh, you want to move on to the second preseason match, Jeremiah? Yeah, speaking of blank slates and things that we basically know nothing about, let's talk about this FC Cincinnati preseason match in Florida. Uh, same result as the first one, another 3-2 loss, so I'm ready to fire up the old hashtag wolf out pot uh, <laughs> again now because preseason is super important and relevant. Um, we know, uh, well, let's talk about the goal. So we, get, we had a goal from an Austin FC2 player, correct? Uh, yeah, David Rodriguez scored one of the goals. So... That's it's good to see him do that, but I mean, I guess it doesn't. Well, I don't know. It doesn't really matter how good he is, right? I mean, well, let's not read too much in the preseason. Never mind. Maybe because he had a goal. I think he's had a goal and assist so far in two matches. So like, maybe he's the pre. Maybe he's the Rodney Redis of the twenty twenty three preseason. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm uh, not going to get too excited about it. So never mind. Ignore one thing that kind I- of talk. I, I can't help but to get excited about was there was a, a Driussi Tazardes connection for the other goal in that game, and it was a header. And so, like, this is, I don't know, this is the thing that, that was missing from Austin last year was crosses into a striker who then scored from those crosses. And uh, Driussi picks him out, puts it right on his head. Jossie puts in a really nice header. So, uh, again, preseason means nothing, but it's exciting to see that they're looking for those kinds of connections and finding them at, at this point in time. I mean, so Drew obviously had this magical season last year, but well, how would you feel about him being more of a creator than a finisher this year? If he's doing more of this kind of work, do you think it makes Austin a better team overall? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that means if, if Drew doesn't have to do it all on his own and we saw games, especially down the stretch last year where, uh, he was not a secret anymore. Everyone knew that he was the guy you needed to stop. And so sometimes we had other guys come through and it was fine and we pull it out anyway, but other times it, it didn't work that way. And so if he can, if, if we can have some guys not like pulling the attention away from him and letting him either be just either a primary or secondary creator on plays and have other guys drawing attention and finishing chances like, yeah, that can only be good for it. It may hurt his goal total, but as far as team success, um, I, I think it'll help. And I think he would be happy with that change. Then on, so that was, I think it was, that was on Friday. That was right? Friday. Yeah. And also on Friday, Leo Weissenden arrived in Austin at the Fairmont. Did you go? I did. Yeah. Okay. And how was that? Uh, there was not a very big group there. I don't know what the deal was. If it's Friday night and people had better things to do or 
uh, the the shine is wearing off of player arrivals. Or it was also like he had been announced for a while at that point, and so I don't know. It just I think maybe pe- people felt like he was kind of already here, and he had been with the team in Florida too. So like he didn't just fly in from from Finland. He came in from Florida with the rest of the team and then went to the hotel. Cause I guess he's probably going to be living there for a week or two until he finds a permanent spot. But, but yeah, he, he seemed super excited to be there. Like big old smile on his face was st- stood around and talked to fans and took some pictures for a little bit afterwards. So he looks thrilled to be here. Um, it looks like he didn't get any preseason action yet. Wolf said that, uh, they're kind of easing him in, starting him out with, some video and, um, not going to push him physically too much yet because he did, I think he arrived on Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. So he hasn't been in with the team for very long at all. And then I saw that he showed up at uh, the pickup game at the fan pickup game at the stadium on Saturday also. Yeah, that's cool. Not to play in it because they were like, (laughs) they were playing outside the stadium and he was there. Now I saw this, saw this quote from Josh Wolf about his arrival saying he's very clean and confident on the ball, and right away he gives the ability to utilize the ball to hurt opponents, which seems very Julio-esque. So do you feel like they're going to be doing kind of the same thing? Or like, what? did you read anything into that quote? I mean, yeah, I like I've seen this argument on Twitter somewhere because we've gone with like the one ball-playing guy and the one like destroyer guy that like that's the way that it has to be. And it's, it's not a bad thing if both of them can play with the ball really well. Like, so I think Josh is going to be excited about it. And plus it's, it's bad if both of them are as unathletic as Julio is. Right. But Vison is faster than him, more athletic than him. Um, just quicker lateral movement than Julio. And so I think you can play both of them and it be okay. Well, and I think this would be a little bit the, this is what I'm going to get over my head, but like well, the same way with Ruben last year, where if Vison is quicker and can play the ball, that gives Julio the chance to maybe not get himself stranded some, right? Because he can stay closer. To, he can stay closer to goal, and Leo can take some more of the forward action. Yeah, maybe some. I mean, Ruben Ruben would push forward too at times, but yeah, the, it it was a lot of times. I, I yeah, I think there is some truth to that because you're right. Like often, whenever a defense was giving us space. Julio would push up into like more advanced territory, which would cause Ruben to maybe have to rotate back a little bit and cover. And so, yeah, if you can have both guys comfortable doing that, then it, it a gives, gives you cover for Julio or Julio can be the deeper guy and, and not strand himself so much. Also offensively, it just keeps the, the, the defense guessing more. Cause sometimes they'll, they'll like funnel you into one person or like, let this guy have the ball. We'll pressure this other one. If they, if they know both of these center backs can play the ball, then that it just gives them more options to have to cover for. And so I, I think it's, yeah, again, if Vicenin is athletic enough to do that, that cleanup role that Ruben did a lot for us, I, I think it's going to be a, a great thing that they can both play the ball. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he can. We haven't seen him against MLS competition yet, so who knows? Yeah, um, that was not the only center back news of the week. We also got the announcement of a signing of Amro Tarek, a defender, uh, a guy that Chris Wellhausen and I wanted to be part of the original Austin FC expansion draft during our silly dumb mock draft. Uh, guy has a lot of experience in the league. 
He was on a he's on a one year guaranteed deal through the end of twenty twenty three with a club option in twenty twenty four. Played a lot of time in Major League Soccer in the Egyptian Premier League. Um, again, oh, a, a guy with a lot uh, of back a, and forth too, right? Like a lot of back and forth. So like yeah. he'll go to he went to Spain and then went back to Egypt and then I think did some academy stuff in Germany maybe. That sounds um, right. But then MLS back to Egypt, MLS back to Egypt, MLS back to Egypt, and back to MLS. And, and another guy with a Columbus connection, right? In 2016, he spent a year with the Columbus Crews, so he's kind of part of that whole background. So what do what do we know about him, and what do we expect out of him? I, I guess first, like, what was your reaction here? Well, like, or I guess either your reaction or what kind of reaction did you see from other Austin FC fans? Uh, as far I, my, as like expectations and like how happy they are with this one. Well, I think everybody expects, everybody obviously wants like somebody that could be a designated player somehow, somehow magically isn't. But I mean, my reaction was like, it's a good depth piece. We've got a lot of competitions coming. He's a second or third center back. And we can talk about maybe why Austin's not super happy with one of their other depth pieces right now. But I mean, he seems like the kind of solid guy that you just kind of need to have around. I'm assuming he was not super. Um, expensive. I did see people talk about him being uh, a Julio replacement, possibly, which does not seem reasonable given given what we know about him and given what we've seen out of him. But I mean, people seem like not super excited, but relatively okay with it. Yeah, I, um, I yeah, we all want. I mean, we all talked about wanting. Collins and I've had I've had people <laughs> call me out for starting a rumor that Collins was coming here, which I I re- refute. I did not do that. I said that Austin should go after him. I did not say he was coming. <laughs> well, this is the problem. People people have yeah. People don't remember things always correctly. But anyway, I, like that's who we wanted, right? Like I think in a in a perfect world, there would be enough uh, salary space in our budget and the right guy would come along and be able to step in and be a starter, like a a guy who like really makes this team better in the starting 11. But that was always going to be a stretch, right? That was always going to be hard to do. And so to bring in a guy like Tarek, who knows the league has played a lot of minutes in this league. I think four or five different seasons he's played and he's played a lot of games as well. So, um, I, I like, Although it's not that starter that we wanted, I do think he is a step up from Johan Romagna and Kip Keller. Um, as far as what kind of player he is, he's he's big. I think he's listed as six four on the MLS website, and so yeah, he's that's the tallest guy on the tallest guy on the team, right? I think if yeah, I think I, I think Stuver's right. listed six as six three, three. I believe. Yep. And so, um, yeah, definitely would be the tallest guy on the team, and then he's pretty athletic though. Like he's. Uh, he moves quite well as a pretty aggressive defender and he's not a, like not a speed demon by any means. Like if a winger gets him one, one V one, like he's going to be in trouble probably, but um, he moves well for as big as he is and isn't afraid to, to step out into space and, and, and uh, mark a guy one V one whenever the, like the moment calls for it. Uh, I reached out to uh, Mark Fishkin who covers the Red Bulls and so would have seen, a lot of Emro Tarek and just asked, like, I've seen people say like, he's got a mistake in him. Like, what's your take on Tarek? Just like, what do you say? What do you say about him? And he said that he, yeah, he's a solid like number two or number three center back, not an elite player. 
uh, will make a mistake or two, but all in all, a really solid depth player. And that, yeah, that was kind of my take with my, my limited knowledge. So good. Like I was, uh, it was good to, to get confirmation from Mark on that, but yeah, I don't, I don't think he's coming here to replace Julio. Um, I think he's coming here to replace Johan Romagna and Kip Keller. Which is nothing but a good thing. And it gives the kind of depth that you're going to need in case somebody gets, in case somebody goes down or gets hurt or. Yeah. Whatever. We've talked about like Vicedon's going to be on international duty some, you know, during the season, maybe not a ton because the, the, the windows are more aligned in MLS, but it's a good option to have. He's left. Is he the only left footed center back we have too? I think point? so. Yeah. He So he's left footed. Um, he is pretty good on the ball, actually. Like he, uh, I don't think he's as good as the other two guys, but he's better again, a step up from, from the other backups we have. Uh, he, he, that being said, he does have a mistake in him. I think he does get like a little too bold, um, both offensively and defensively at times. And so I think this center back group could end up being pretty entertaining for better and for worse. Uh, <laughs> I think they're going to be guys who contribute to offense but also um, will maybe make us pull our hair out at times because they're being expected to contribute so much to the offense that sometimes that goes the other way. And this is the beauty of Major League Soccer and why I love it. So uh, Tarek gives us 20 senior roster players, which as students of the game know, means that Austin FC's senior roster is completely full. But is it? So it is for now. But unless some moves are made, uh, we're done. But maybe let's just talk a little bit about loans, like what happens with loans, um, what's happened in the past. Like, do 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 you think we're, or maybe let's maybe a more basic question is, do you think we're done adding players? Well, so we saw some some talk on Twitter. I think it was from is it Top Bin ninety that Charlotte account um, yes. posted last week that Will Bruin and Austin FC were in talks and he pops up in some pictures from training today in Austin the, FC gear at the training center. The only person in shorts, I think is what yeah. I remember most about that in the Austin FC training gear today. So yes, we seem to be done, but let's maybe talk about Will Bruin. Yeah. So I, I posted this, this is all happening today. So there's been a lot of stuff coming out uh, today on Monday, but that capital city soccer posted that photo of Will Bruin in shorts. And I tweeted that, if Will Bruin gets signed, I think this is a sign that the club might be moving on from one or two players, either alone or selling them or whatever it be, a buyout. But there's just not many roster spots left, right? Like no senior roster spots left at the moment. And then very limited supplemental yeah, only, spots, right? Yeah, the only supplemental spot left is for a basically a homegrown on minimum salary. So anybody yeah. you bring in, you're going to have to make room for Right. So yeah, I tweeted that Will Bruin um, would probably mean someone else is gone. We get a, a tweet from a Belgian journalist named uh, Sasha Tavolieri saying that um, discussions between Musajite and, uh, oh, I looked up how to say this, a French club, uh, Ajaccio. I probably said that bad, but... Uh, that they're trying to get him on loan at the moment. And so the European transfer windows close on Tuesday. The Turkish transfer window is still open for like another week after that. And so he lists a Turkish club, Chaikor Rizaspor, 
And so that both of those teams are, are trying to get Musajite. And so I think that would maybe be the answer that if Musajite goes out on loan, then Will Bruin would likely be that replacement. Yeah. You know what a weird Will Bruin fact is that, that I did not know. He's the 25th leading scorer in the history of major league soccer. So, Oh wow. He's, he's 33 years old, but he's definitely got a good track record. A lot of it from when he was playing for the dynamo in 2011 to 2016, but also a lot of appearances, a lot of goal for Sounders. So what do you, what do you think about this, the swap here? I like, I know there's a lot of people who have become uh, attached to Musa and really like the story of Musa. As far as soccer goes, I think Will Bruin is an upgrade for Musa Jite. Um, that might not be true a year from now uh, when Bruin is a year older and Jite has a year more experience and, and maybe is a little bit better player. But right now, at this moment, I think Will Bruin is a better player than Musa Jite. Definitely a more consistent player than Musa Jite. And so... Oh, no, I was going to say, if this is a loan deal, does that does that make any difference to you there? Like, are you better to have a guy who's okay, like sitting on the bench and playing a little bit in Will Bruin while Musajite is trying to develop some or? Yeah, I am. I mean, I like, I like the ambition of it. Like Austin has not always made the best roster moves, but they've been, they've shown a willingness to, to fix them fast. And so if they don't think Musajite is going to make them better this season, I think Will Bruin would make us better this season as a guy like that with that much experience who scored that many goals in this league as your third striker, like that's, that's great. Like that's, that's a luxury in this league. So um, yeah, maybe Musa will be really, really good a year or two from now, but he's, he's been very inconsistent so far. And I I don't have any reason to believe that would be any different right now. Uh, We also know that he's had some, some family stuff going on, has a, a newborn halfway across the world. And so, that may be playing into it as well. Uh, if he were to go to uh, to Europe or to Turkey, like he would, he would be closer to family. That would be easier for them to come visit him. And so, uh, yeah, there's probably more going into it, but yeah, as far as the, the swap goes on the team, Bruin makes this team better. Well, then I'll just read the note that I wrote in here. So if Musa Jita goes out, has Austin wasted their U 22 signings? Um, I mean, you could say they have whether he goes out or not. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but if he goes out, then they're not wasting it anymore, I think is another way to look at it. They're wasting right. it if he stays and isn't playing or isn't contributing. Right. I guess that gets back, gets back to my point about the about the loans. Is once somebody's loaned out, whatever they are, U22 designated player like Thomas Pochettino, international, whatever designation they might have that they're filling up on the Austin FC roster that no longer applies when they're out on loan. Well, so I, I read up on this right before we started recording and with U22s specifically, the rule said that they have to maintain that designation for two years. And if they go out on loan or transferred after two, two seasons, it says, then you can use that spot. And so I don't know if that means like in two different seasons I was or four so two full seasons. Yeah, does one point five count as two here or not? I don't know. I mean, with a lot of other weird rules, oftentimes you round up as far as like stuff like that goes. So I would hope that we would be able to use that spot, and I think we would be able to use that spot, but I don't know that for sure. 
So let's go with speaking of players who maybe who are young and maybe have the best use of awesome money. Johan Romagna finds himself a little bit in the doghouse. Was this the quote from today? Did Phil write this up? This yeah, is yeah. This is press conference with with Josh Wolf. Yeah, Josh Wolf fired some shots at Johan Romagna. He said we were a little short of center backs in our last game against Cincinnati. Johan had a calf injury, um, which Wolf contributed to not being fit enough to really fulfill what preseason is about. Woo! <laughs> yeah, and this is the second year in a row, right, that we've heard something like this about Romagna and his fitness. It is, and so this is uh, a little nugget that I'll add in here. I was told that at one point last season, um, I think like Johan kind of disappeared for a while and wasn't on game day rosters, and that the word was that he was like quote unquote injured, but that he was not actually injured. He was out of shape, and they were essentially just going to beat him into shape until he was fit enough to play more than 45 minutes. Um, and so it seems like he, it, that has not gotten better. He came into preseason last year out of shape and was injured and cramping every time he played, couldn't play more than 20 minutes without looking like he's about to pass out. Apparently that happened again this year. Comes into camp, not fit enough to play in preseason matches where you're pr- probably playing. I mean, they, they did four 30-minute halves against Cincinnati. Which are also quarters, by the way. I don't know why we called them four 30-minute <laughs> halves, but go ahead. Um, But, like, at most, he was maybe going to play, like, 45 minutes it, during that stretch. And so uh, if he can't go 45 minutes at this point, like, there's no way he's going to go 90 three weeks from now. So do you think that, that Romagna has a future in Austin? I mean, I... I assume that he's going to occupy a roster slot in Austin, but do you see him being anything more than the fifth center back at this point? I mean, I, I, I'm not saying this as an, like a personal attack on Johan Romagna, but I honestly hope he's not because I will like, if Kip Keller can progress the way that we think he can, then I think he, like he can surpass Romagna here in pretty short order. Uh, I'm guessing bo- both of these guys are going to see some minutes with the Austin FC two team, especially now that Amro Tarek is in the picture. Cause oftentimes last year they would carry three center backs on the game day roster. And so you, maybe you get four. That means one of Romagna or Keller is not going to be making game day rosters most of the time, if not both of them, which means they'll probably be playing with Austin FC two. And so if Romagna can, can get fit enough to play in those games, which seems like a question mark at this point. Um, maybe he can redeem himself there, but we know that Keller can do it. And we think that Keller has just a different skill set that I think would could eventually fit a little bit better with what Austin FC is trying to do. And it just doesn't seem that Romagna has grown in any of those those ways at all, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're you're right. I think We'll get into the Claudio Reyna news after the break, but like that one agent those guys all have is probably very sad, maybe about Claudio <laughs> yeah. not being in charge, um, given the way those signings have come out of Paraguay. Um, so Austin FC2, we talked about that. We uh, they There were, what, two players in this week? Leo Torres and Chris Pinkham. Torres, 19-year-old attacking midfielder from Divine, Texas. San Antonio FC Academy, so that's a little fun He played for their nugget. first team. Um, oh yeah, he played for their first team too. That's yeah. right. At what did he say? He's 
yeah, made nine nine total senior appearances for F for SAFC. Um, then Pinkham's a twenty four year old fullback from New Hampshire. Uh, played in college. What what do we know about these guys other than just we have two more players on the Austin F ATXFC two squad? Anything? Not a lot. I mean, um, Torres. I mean, I like this resume from Torres at nineteen to have already gotten minutes in USL and then playing with uh, Real Monarchs, which is like that is uh, Real Salt Lake's um, development team, and they're known for for pro- producing young talent. And so he's played in two really good setups so far as a 19 year old. So I like that about him. I've never seen the kid play. Don't know if he's any good, but I like that part of it with Pinkham. I have no clue. Um, I think this is going to be one of those guys that is just hoping to make it as a pro. And this is the way that he sees that he can do it. They'll bring him in, let him fight for some minutes and see what he can do. But, um, yeah, with a, a fifth year, a fifth year college senior from New Hampshire, I don't know that we can expect him to be knocking on the first team door anytime soon, but that that's what a lot Never of know. this team is going to be, right? Like it's not all going to be hot young prospects who are, who are hoping for homegrown contracts here soon. Like it's going to be a lot of Chris Pinkham's that, that are just trying to make it as a pro. Yeah. So this, that gives us seven, gives Austin FC two seven players. So James Delore, uh listener did a little research for us. Cause I think last week we had a question from Patreon about whether Austin was behind on signing players for the most next pro squad um so we're now with seven um he believes there are three other teams joining in 2023 that didn't previously exist charlotte has not a name players are what was not a name location well austin doesn't have either location or players huntsville city fc which is nashville squad is holding open tryouts for the weekend and lafc two has signed one player so maybe austin is actually ahead of the game in terms of the rush up to march 28th when you look at having seven of these 16 or 18 players that Austin expects to sign already announced and maybe more there and in the pipeline that we haven't heard about yet. Yeah. That's another thing that I, I forgot to mention earlier when I was talking about um, talking to Brett Utley in that media availability is he said that there are players who are on trial and acted like there are other players who were like more or less sure things that just haven't been announced yet. And so although there are seven on the list, it's probably more like 10 with a couple of maybes. And then you add that in with Academy players and then players from the first team playing down. Like it's really not that thin of a roster when you, you put all that into it. Uh, but yeah, it does seem, even if it does seem like we're behind, it seems like we're maybe better off than some of the others. So uh, good job, I guess. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, how about Sebastian Pinal, a forward from Peru, I believe. There was these rumors on Twitter uh, that he was going to sign a three-year or is in negotiations for a three-year deal with Austin. Uh, he's a forward. I think he's 19 or 20. I don't remember exactly where he is. Um, but there seemed to be some folks online who thought that he would be like an Austin FC signing, which he's not probably not going to be, even if he comes. For reasons, one, as we know, there are no senior roster slots available to sign a guy. Two, there's not a lot of need uh, on the senior roster for a player like that. Um, and three, like his resume suggests that he's in Austin ATXFC two. Well, I got to yeah. figure out what we're going to call this all the time. By the way, I've said it like ten I'm, different ways. I'm trying to make ATX two happen. This is not ATX two. Okay, in any uh, actual releases from the club, but I'm trying to make ATX two happen. <laughs> okay, he seems like an ATX two guy. I'm willing to do that because it's everything I've said is way longer than that. I think I think the main thing looking here is the the level that he's played at most recently was the Peruvian second division, and so. 
that's not that's not like a typical pipeline. It's like Peruvian second division to MLS. Like just looking at where he's played, who he's played for, what level he's kind of maxed at to this degree. Like this guy's, I would be very surprised if he is being brought in with thoughts for the first team roster. Um, We were tagged in that post for whatever reason and got a lot of notifications of Peruvians arguing about whether or not he's good enough for MLS and the mentions. And I just wanted to keep telling him like, he's not, he's not going to play in MLS guys. He's not, <laughs> he's not. And if he's getting a three-year deal, it's a one-year deal with two club options, right? Absolutely. <laughs> he's not signing it for a three-year contract. <laughs> um, so you mentioned when we were talking about GTA, that the transfer window in France closes today, Tuesday or tomorrow, you know, depending upon whether you're listening, uh, well, you're tomorrow today for everybody else except for us, uh, for the rest of the world. But it's not so for the MLS. And actually, the MLS window opens on January 31st. Yeah, so I think this is a good reminder is that the transfer window only applies to the buying club. And so if you're people who watch the Premier League, like it's tomorrow is going to be like the big crazy transfer deadline day at midnight. Um English time, that's the last time you can sign anybody. But that doesn't mean an MLS team couldn't go in and buy an English player still because it 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 applies to the buying team. And so MLS will not be able to have any players bought away from them to Europe, but MLS could still be buying players from Europe and, and bringing players in until uh, is it April 24th? Is that the end of the first deadline? Yeah, yeah April, 24th is the end, April 24th is the end of the first window, and then there's a summer window too. Um, the other thing being from talking to Sean Rubio and others uh, in the past is that I guess deals, deals have probably been made that will be announced and registered after January 31st because you can still like do everything but file paperwork outside of the window. Right. And like, I think we were looking into this last year, a couple of years ago, confused about transfer windows because like Leo Weissen and Amro Tarek are not officially registered here yet. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, but we'll be this week and then we'll officially be MLS players, but every other part of the deal has been done. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's all that to say, like there is still a lot of time for moves to be made. Another thing worth mentioning is that Austin FC used their one-time off-season buyout on Ulysses Segura. I think it was like January 24th or something. So we're still within a week of that happening. So that is still a possibility. There's still a possibility of loans. There's still a possibility of uh, of more players coming in. So I'm not expecting a ton more movement other than what the stuff that we've already heard. But there could be a couple of other things that we don't know about yet. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Well, on, on paper, the roster is full. It's not necessarily the case that there are no more moves to be made. Although I would expect m- some of those to happen more of more of those than not to happen in season, right? Adjusting to the things that have happened during the year, like maybe injuries, maybe needs are identified, whatever, more than them happening during between now and the season starting. Yeah, I guess one thing one thing to be said about other places transfer windows closing is that they're less willing to sell because they can't replace that person anymore. And so unless they are already looking to get rid of them and don't need a replacement, then they're probably not going to let someone go until the summer window. Um, 
But I guess we will know whether or not Musajite is going to France by tomorrow at 6 p.m., right? We should. Yeah, France, we'll know for sure. We may not know for Turkey. We may not know about Turkey for a little while, but France will, will either happen or not. All right, uh, we should take a break. We've gone a little bit long, but when we come back, we're going to talk about Claudio Reyna no longer uh, being in the same position at Austin FC. We'll talk about what position he is in and what that actually means and uh, who's kind of picking up his slack. But hang tight. We'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. You can find them online at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. And I think we can like we can officially say they're back at like in 2023 is our season long what do we call it? Title sponsor, official uh, sponsor. Presenting sponsor. Presenting sponsor. Yes. I should probably know these things. But yeah, <laughs> thanks. Thanks to all the Aaron, Josh, uh, Caitlin, and all the folks at FEF Law. Yeah, they've been great to work with. So we're we're very happy to be working with them again this year. Also, I was looking at my FEF uh, calendar here on the wall. And I don't know if you flipped over to, to look at the dog for February, but their name is Captain America, and they're very cute. It's a perfect name for a dog. <laughs> I love it. You can go to fbf.law to find out what makes FBF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fbf.law. So last week, we answered a bunch of Patreon questions. Uh, I, we're going to get to a couple more later, but there was one pretty apt one from six days ago from Sean Collins, who asked, will Claudio Reyna still be here a year from now? Uh, and I think a day or two after that, we found out the answer to that question. Ooh. Yes, we did get news. And spoiler alert for anybody that, I don't know, has been under a rock and then decided to listen to this show, but Claudio Reyna is no longer the sporting director at Austin FC. I'm going to read this straight from the press release. I think it's probably the safest thing to do. Austin FC announced today that Claudio Arena has transitioned into a technical advisor role from the club's sporting director. In addition to his responsibilities as head coach, Josh Wolf will now serve as the club's chief soccer officer on an interim basis and lead Austin FC's sporting department. Sean Rubio, who has served alongside Wolf and Reyna as director of player personnel since August 2020, has been promoted to interim sporting director as part of the restructuring. So <laughs> the wording in all of this makes it sound like uh, like Claudio's just stepping down, going to take some time for himself, spend some time with his family or something. Um, what is not mentioned is, and what is probably the real reason for this is his involvement in all of the drama with the national team, with um, with Greg Berhalter, with his son not playing, all, all of that stuff we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That was the big drama within U.S. soccer for the last few weeks. Uh, well, one weird thing is that, like, all of a sudden, all those people, like, all the adults who were acting like children in that saga are unemployed over the course of a few days, right? Or not unemployed, but no longer, no longer involved with U.S. soccer. Um, I'm not surprised that this is the way they announced it. It seems very in keeping with the way that the club announces things sometimes. Like, it's super ambiguous. 
Uh, chief soccer officer has never been a thing before. So all of a sudden we created a new job for Josh Wolf out of it. Uh, so I've seen two opinions online about this. And one is that Claudio is still like shadow sporting director. And this allows Austin FC to distance themselves from this controversy by not having an official role, but he'll still be doing some of the same, th- same things he was doing before. And then I've seen the opposite opinion, which is that he's going to sit around the house and collect a paycheck and be and not come to the building at all. But this is like a graceful way to not just say that he's gone completely because they're still going to have to pay him. Yeah. Where do you think that? Where do you think the truth is between those two positions? I think maybe in the very short term, the first one could be true, but I think uh, the real truth is probably closer to the second one that they don't have maybe enough cause to just outright fire him. They also don't want to involve themselves in in all of this mess more than they have to. And so this is kind of a quiet and um, gentle way to say like, okay, we're done with this guy. He's not involved anymore. Uh, but we're not just outright saying we're firing him. We're, we'll keep paying him to just tell him to be quiet and disappear for a little while. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the other interesting things in here is to say, well, Wolf will lead the sporting department as Austin FC's interim chief soccer officer. Both he and Rubio will report directly to Austin FC majority owner and CEO Anthony Precourt, which leads one to believe that this has to be a temporary arrangement. Like, I don't think Anthony Precourt wants to run the sporting side of the operation long term. No, absolutely not. And like that's, I think this is one of the things that we should give credit to Anthony Precourt for is that he's smart enough to know what parts of it he shouldn't be involved in. <laughs> right. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody really wants this to be the permanent setup. Uh, I mean, Sean Rubio has kind of been like the second in command in this department anyway. And so maybe this is, they'll treat this as somewhat of an audition for him. Um, and if they like the way he kind of operates things, maybe they would give him, uh, give him that permanent role. He is pretty inexperienced. He's fairly young for someone in that role. So um, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily the favorite choice, but if he does a good job, maybe, maybe it, that would be the case. I, I I mean, also, if nothing else, it would be something to add to Sean's resume as well. If he does look for sporting director roles somewhere else in the, for, in the future, he can say like, hey, I actually did it for a while. But I would guess that they would sooner rather than later want to have that position filled with, with someone else. And I I think the person that that is needs to have MLS experience. And so when you're looking at like, who could you get in? We, We talked about Austin FC being an attractive place for players. I think it's probably a pretty attractive place for executives as well. And like people who work in the technical side of things. Uh, but there's like, it's, it's hard to look around and say like, who is an upgrade, like who's a definite upgrade or who's at least a sideways move that has MLS experience. And it's it's a pretty short list. And so it makes it hard to hard to answer that question. Yeah, and I guess the one thing that maybe ties back a little bit to the national team drama is that the U.S. national team is also looking for ex- like leadership. And that pool of candidates is probably somewhat similar, right? Like the people who would be an upgrade over Claudia Arena and the people who, for Austin, the people who like could run U.S. soccer are probably a little bit the same. Um, another thing that I've heard, you know, question is like, 
what does it mean for the club in the short term and long term? You know, like is the fact that Claudio suddenly gone right before the season starts somewhat disruptive to the 2023 season? And I don't feel like it is just from like understanding how MLS works, just all the things we talked about, about how full the roster is right now. Like this is not really a, a 23 issue. Like Austin can probably go along just fine like they are right now for the rest of this season with the roles that people have and wait and make the right call because there's not a lot of work for the sporting director to do in season at this point with this roster. Yeah, I, I think it could be a little bit disruptive to like any final moves that they are trying to get over the line. Let's say Reyna has been the one in talks with a club or an agent about a certain player and he's like getting close to getting over the line and all of a sudden he's not the one making that phone call anymore. Like that can throw a wrench in things. But like you said, like there's not going to be many of those left at this point. This team is more or less done and it's, it is what it's going to be for this season. So if, yeah, if it's going to happen, like this is a pretty good time for it to happen and, and to have some time to find the right person and make that change. So, um, Wolf and Rubio can kind of like run the ship until that role is filled and bring someone in to really do that heavy lifting in the time when you're planning for 24 and beyond. Yeah. So let's maybe get into this question from Elliot Nguyen, which is, uh, not sure if you not sure if you've covered this already, but can you provide a bit more clarity around the various roles within the Austin FC organization? What do they mean? What are they responsible for? I feel like we've talked about the owner. We've basically talked about the sporting side at this point, including the fact that we're making up new titles um, and roles that didn't exist before, which kind of leaves the sort of the business side of the operation. And I think mostly like Andy Lockney's title, which is team president, is the one that's maybe not as known because it's very different from what a team president is going to be in other sports and even what a team president is in, in, in soccer sometimes. Yeah. And I think part of the confusion is that there's a lot of different titles that sometimes mean the same thing and sometimes don't mean the same thing. And some people who have this title do both of these things. And some people who have this title only do one of these things. And so we can give, we, we can give like kind of what Austin FC does, this doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same at other places, but you mentioned Andy Lochnane. Andy Lochnane is the president. He has nothing really to do with the soccer side of things. He's essentially running the business of Austin FC. Yeah, yeah, and that's not always the case for a team president. And then the sporting upper when Claudio was a sporting director, that was his title, right? Yeah. Uh, he's basically running the entire soccer operations aside, so basically... The owner pre-court, the ownership group had had a, one person running the soccer side, one person running the business side, um, but that's not always the case with every club. Yeah, a lot of times it is the same person. Which, knowing how much those two guys do here, it seems like a crazy thing to have one guy run both sides. Like it doesn't seem um, sustainable or smart to do yeah. it that way. And I'm sure there's somebody else doing the heavy lifting on one side or the other when that is the case. But uh, yeah, it, it, it seems like it almost needs to be two jobs. Yeah. I mean, that's, that doesn't seem like a similar skill set, right? Like what, you need somebody that can like run an operation and people and make a lot of money. And you need somebody that like knows a lot about soccer. And for those to be the same person seems like insane. Yeah. And so you've got those roles and then is there any others? I guess like general manager is one that you'll hear sometimes. Oftentimes that is the same thing as like a sporting director. Um, is there any other titles that we're missing here that 
I, I think those are the most common ones that, that, that people will hear, and especially in terms of as it relates to Austin. Yeah, and then like we, talking about the owner, like sometimes owners are more or less involved uh, in in how things are run. And like I said before, like I think Anthony Precourt cares enough to be involved and to spend his money, like more money than he has to on it all, but smart enough to not stick his nose in too far into things that he's not qualified to make decisions on, which is great. <laughs> For sure. Well, let's get into some more listener questions here. Um, we, we can close the show out. Uh, it's, these are some leftovers we had from last week we didn't have time to get into. First one from Trevor Allison. Do you think Maxi Aruti could be an option on the wing? From what I can tell, he doesn't have much experience there, but he understands the press. It seems like some of his skills would translate. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I don't know that, especially the way that Austin FC plays, like I really don't think his skill set would translate over there. Could he do it? Sure. But I don't think he makes the team better there. Um, I think his role this year is going to be a spot starter and the guy who comes on at the end to finish off a game. Um, looking at like, like Will Bruin, if he ends up signing to throw on at the end of a game to put crosses onto his head, like that's a good option. But having Maxi to come in defensively and close out a game, like that's going to be a luxury to have a guy come, come out there against tired legs and just like run the way he did for 90 minutes a lot this last year to be able to intensify that into 15, 20, 30 minutes. Like that's going to be really good to have. Yeah, and I think the tired legs thing would also be probably good against teams like other teams that have midweek games when like they're they're sitting back at the start uh, would be a good place for him. So yes, he can probably shouldn't. Jay Nolan, do transfer fees on outgoing players have an effect on Tam Gam? Like Chicago just got the guy for eighteen million. How can help bring players in if he still has spending limits? Does it go to the other areas of the club like development or just the owner's profits? I feel like this is a little bit of the conversation we had with Stam Stachel last year. Um, and don't remember all the specifics of it. So hopefully you do there. So yeah, there is an amount that you can convert to allocation money. I believe it's just over or in 2022, it was just over $1 million. Um, and so, yeah, not all of it can go to your roster budget, but you can spend any of that extra money on another designated player, say, because that stuff does not go onto the on onto your salary budget, and so uh, yeah, it, Chicago sold John Duran for eighteen million. They could buy another DP with that eighteen million and spend all of it if they wanted to. They could also spend one million uh, to buy a new backup center back or whatever, and like use it as as allocation money. Spend spend the one million to get a backup center back, and then put the rest in their pocket. Um, I think one thing that FC Dallas was criticized for a long time for was just that essentially, like they would sell a a kid who barely touched the field to Europe for a bunch of money. And then none of that money was ever reinvested back into the team. And which is, they they always kind of treat it like a business. Like we have one of the best academies in, in the country. Um, we're going to use that money and make sure that our academy keeps producing players that we can then sell for 10 or 15 million again in a couple of seasons. And so that's the way they run it. But yeah, there is a lot of different ways you can use that money, but only 1 million of it can be used towards, um, towards your salary budget essentially. But I mean, I guess an important point on that is like, that is all real money though. Like it's not, these are not, these are not Garber bucks. So you can choose to put them in your pocket. 
you can choose to build a training facility. You can invest them in your academy. You can spend them back in a, you can invest them back in another designated player. But like it is actual cash that you're bringing in the door, which then it's up the ownership group on how they want to allocate it. Correct, and that that's why um, the, there is a real incentive to sell these players because even though like for me as a fan of the game, like I'm saying, oh, it's only one million. I don't care how much they sell it for. Uh, you can bet that. Uh, is, I can't remember who the owner of Chicago is, but Anthony Precourt sells a guy like he's going to care how much we bring in for it. Like the owners do care because it's their their money that went into buying a lot of these guys. And so they want to see that investment back. And if even though it's not this direct one for one, like we sell this much, it all goes back into the team it does continue to incentivize them to keep putting their money into it because that's that's happened in MLS before, right? Where people didn't weren't seeing this return on their investment and they got bored or got scared and kind of stopped spending money on their team. And so, um, yeah, keeping the incentives coming in can keep that owner interested and willing to, to pay out for the next guy. All right, well, here's another salary cap question. I like that we get all these. So this is Kevin Trahan. Assuming MLS eventually relaxes the salary cap, can the current ownership group compete with the bigger clubs around the world? Well, let's maybe not talk about around the world for purchasing <laughs> players. Or would they need to expand the group, get new owners? Basically, how rich are they? Stupid rich or nobody should have that much money rich. So you say around the world, but the truth is that some of the MLS owners have enough money to compete with clubs around the world. Like, okay, so th- there are MLS owners who are richer than like Premier League owners. Right, and they're, I mean, they're, they're, and people spend more on an MLS franchise than people spend on Premier League clubs because of the different structures of the league. I guess I was kind of like setting my answer up in that it's not necessarily how much total money you have, but how much of your fortune are you willing to commit? And you talked about FC Dallas. The Hunt family has more money than almost anybody in the world, and they are not spending that money investing in FC Dallas. While I believe that Anthony Precourt is, and and he's just the face of the ownership group, but there are other guys with money involved in it, which we probably don't talk about enough. That like that does seem like a group that's willing to invest significantly in the product on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as far as like how much money they have, like we don't know from what we've heard. Precourt himself would not be among the richest owners in the league. Um, but yeah, with that group that they've put together, like, I don't know that they're hurting for cash necessarily. I think they they can afford to spend as much as they want to really. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. It's like, it's how much they're willing to so far. They've seemed pretty willing to, to spend some money and, and to make sure that the team is good and to prioritize that. Hopefully that lasts and talking about going into a future where, maybe the salary cap does get relaxed a little bit and teams can spend a little bit more. I think that will be a real test of that. And it's a thing that I've thought about before is like, I like, I wouldn't want to be a fan of like the New York Yankees, like the Real Madrid of whatever league that we're in, where then like the expectation becomes like you, like you have to win because you've spent so much more than everybody else. You're richer than everybody else. So it's a, like anything less than perfection is a failure. And that just seems like miserable to me. <laughs> and yeah. so I'd almost rather be the team, like a fan of the team who is like middle of the pack doing things like using 
smart roster builds, smart spending, good coaching to like punch above their weight a little bit while still spending and like doing a little bit more than, than the lazier teams or the cheaper teams. Um, like that's the team I want to be a fan of. So even though I don't know that pre-court is rich enough to keep up with the max spending ability of the league, if they really tried to, uh, he seems interested enough. And I think the group altogether has enough to still compete if they decide they want to still compete. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. And I don't think MLS is ever going to just like completely abandon this structure that they have to do that. I think more flexibility is coming, but it's still going to be within like a pretty different parameter set where Austin can't compete. Um, how about Brian Hensley? Look at the schedule. What matches do you think will be the most important matches for Austin FC this year? Which matches are considered Austin must wins outside of Dallas and Houston? Oh, Outside of Dallas and Houston. That's almost impossible to say. Like, uh, like, do you have an answer for this? <laughs> no, I mean, it's going to be, for me, it's the matches against, well, one, I think it's important to get off to a good start. It's like the first two matches, which are both at home, are probably really important. And I think it becomes, like, I have this belief that Austin can absolutely be a better team from start to finish than they, overall than they were last year and still not finish second. So I think it comes down to, you know, the other teams that are going to be in the hunt, like in the middle of the pack in the playoff race to get yeah. a home match. And it's hard to say who those are going to be because this Absolutely. is MLS. Because <laughs> this is MLS, yeah. One, one game I will mention is the first game of the U.S. Open Cup because it will likely be against a USL team. And Austin was embarrassed by a USL team last year. And I don't think they'll want to do that again. And the fans won't want to do that again. So I think that's going to be an important one. Yeah. Uh, how about Robert Miller? Do you think Zardes replaces Ruti as the main number nine or will be a tandem? Yeah. yeah I Zardes, Zardes is Zardes, the guy. He's the guy, right? I it, agree with If that. both are healthy, both are like on even footing, Zardes is the guy. Maxi's going to be a rotational starter and the guy who comes in to spell Zardes every once in a while. But as long as Zardes is ready to go, he's the guy. Yeah, all right. Keith Simon, how many goals will be scored this year by Driussi, Zardes, Rigoni, Fagundes, Finley? We says Emmy, but Rigoni. Fagundes, Finley, Ruti, and Gite this year. I mean, with the exception of maybe Gite now, like all of them, right? Or almost all of them? Yeah, we we were talking off air of like, do did we were we supposed to answer individually or collectively here? And so we did not do this math, but if you look at last year, how many goals were scored by not these guys? it would be maybe not a super high number. <laughs> not um, a lot. But, I mean, I think the the biggest one looking at this is Emiliano Ragoni because we got zero from him last year. Uh, Austin scored, I think, was it 65 goals last year? Uh, yeah, 65 goals in 2022. So um, but I would guess, like, probably... 50-something have to come from that group, right? Yeah, yeah, 50 or so. So, that I mean, that's probably what we need to come from this group. And if uh, if they don't, like like we said before, we can't count on Drew to score 25 or whatever he did again. Like, it's not a sustainable thing to do. We need other people to, to carry some of that weight again. So uh, we need the striker, whoever it is. We need Zardes or Ruti to carry some more of that weight than they did last year. We need um, maybe the right wing, whoever that is, Finley or Rigoni to carry some of that weight. And so 
yeah, we, we need this group to score most of them. Well, Landon, that seems like an over-under question. Maybe we could have we could tease this right now, right? This is yeah. the, exactly the kind of question that our friend Marcelo Tesson asked us last year, which at some point in the next three weeks before the season starts again, we will be happy to do again. Yeah, so Marcelo, Marcelo Tesson is our, our unofficial Moon Tower soccer games master, uh, and it's about time for a game. So yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully have that over-under episode out here in the next couple of weeks. Um, and then you want to get, I think we have one more question here from listeners, which you asked me about, and I think I failed at um, before. What's the story with the closing audio clip? Thanks for nothing. See you never. <laughs> it is from Mate Convos. Um, it is Brad Stuver was on, and Maxi was like trying to act like he was he had overstayed his welcome and like was trying to get him out the door. And that's what he said as Brad's walking out of the room. <laughs> um, and is that all it's in the closing? Uh, no, and I think we've said this on the show before, but, uh, thanks for nothing. See you never is Maxi. And then Diego says la gente. I don't know what it's like part of another sentence. Cause they're always talking over each other. And then Driussi says, Oh my God in reference to something else. I don't know what they're all talking about because they're all talking at the same time. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad those guys are all still around so you don't have to re, uh, re-edit the end of this show. Yeah, I mean, as long as they don't disgrace Austin FC or themselves, I'll probably leave that one in there for a long time because I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. All right, anything else, Jeremiah? No, I think we covered it all. All right. We would like to remind all you listeners to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Watch our two videos. We're, we should have another one up. Um, we're hoping, fingers crossed, we're working on something now. Hopefully, we'll have another video up in the next week or so. Um, but then come find us on Twitter at LVHero87, at jbentley underscore ATX, and at Soccer on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. And then sign up for the Patreon. We are trying to finalize some some stuff for rewards for this coming year. And then visit the Striker website where you can get a 30% discount with the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M. Jeremiah, what can folks look out for there? Yeah, I would. We referenced this this a little bit earlier, but Phil West uh, very freezingly and coldly uh, wrote an article today called Back to Work, Back from Florida, Austin FC Promises New Looks and Improvements for 2023. Everybody should check out. And you you tease this, but like I'm really excited about the things that we have coming up in February on this show before the season starts. Like there's a bunch to pile in between now and the start of the season. And I don't know that they will all come to fruition, but I think they will. And like it's it's gonna be a good month. Y'all are gonna love it who are listening. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, we will be back in one week with an episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around Thank for nothing, you never... La gente... Oh, my God.